As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Malachi here, pastor and founder of Life's Word Ministry, and welcome to our podcast. I pray that what you hear will encourage, enlighten, and enrich your life. You know, it's our endeavor to share a word with you that will help you to live hope and change, to draw you closer to our Heavenly Father, as well as strengthen your walk with Christ, using the Word of God as our foundation. I can't thank you enough for listening and sharing our podcast with others. And now, here's today's message. To one and all, I am Pastor Malachi. I'm your host. This is Life's Word Podcast. I appreciate you coming in and sharing a few moments with me in the Word today. I hope that you are sharing the podcast with everyone that you know and even those that you don't know. I hope that you're sharing this as a way of spreading God's gospel. All right, with that, we have a wonderful, excellent, fabulous, super fantastic show for you. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 16, and I'll be starting at the 13th verse, and I will read down through the 20th verse. So if you have your Bibles, please read along with me. If you don't, get your phone apps out and turn and flip to Matthew, the 16th chapter. 13th verse through the 20th verse. It reads as follows. And Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And I'm going to have to interject in, in this because this is so powerful in what he says. He says, Who do men say that I the son of man am. He pretty much answered the question right there. If you were paying attention, who do men say that I, comma, the son of man am? That lets me know that he pretty much answered it. But anyway, let's read on. The 14th verse says, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say? that I am. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, 
but my father who is in heaven. He's letting him know that his physical being, his humanly form did not reveal this. What is he talking about? This, this revelation of who he really is. 18th verses. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. May God bless you that hear his word. I love this particular verse in scripture that we read. And from that, this is what I, I get. And this is what we're going to talk about, binding and loosing in Jesus' name. But there's a twist in here. When you hear binding and loosing in Jesus' name, what do you think of? You think about the times you grew up in church and people said, ah, loose here, devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus, Satan. <laughs> I've heard that a lot growing up, but we're going to learn something really revolutionizing today. We're going to learn something that's going to revolutionize your thought process. We have a divine spiritual and heavenly authority to ask what we want and it be approved by God himself. I don't know if you really understand the power in what I just said. That we that are Christians, we that are believers, have a divine spiritual and heavenly authority to ask whatever it is that we need and desire and it to be approved by God himself. He clearly states in Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Then he says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, he's going to find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. How often do you ask of God? How often are you seeking? And how often do you really knock? A lot of people, they don't want to knock because they don't want to see what's on the other side of the door. The concept of binding and loosing. It's taught in the Bible. We read it in our opening, Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In this verse, Jesus is speaking directly to the Apostle Peter and indirectly to the other disciples or the other apostles. Jesus's words meant that Peter would have the right to enter the kingdom himself, that he would have general authority symbolized by the possession of the keys and that preaching the gospel would be the means of opening the kingdom of heaven to all believers and shutting it against unbelievers. Oh, think about that, ladies and gentlemen. He had the keys. He possessed the keys to open the kingdom of heaven to all believers 
and he had the authority to shut the door, shut the kingdom, shut it down (laughs) against unbelievers. That's power. That's anointing. The book of Acts shows us this process at work. If you remember the story over in Acts 2, and you can start reading around the 14th through the 40th verse, this is Simon Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter opened the door to the kingdom for the first time when he spoke up and raised his voice to those that were there from all over the region witnessing for the very first time in history the aftermath of a supernatural indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon some common folk. What what, what happened? I said they received the good news. Jesus told them to go up there and wait and tarry because he was going to send them a comforter. He was going to send them a helper. And during the day of Pentecost, during that time when they were all on one accord, the spirit of God fell upon all of them. I said the good news fell on them. Peter didn't just stop right there. He didn't leave it right there preaching the good news to those that were standing around listening because there were some that were one complexed. They were complex. They were like, what? (laughs) Some were confused. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't know what he was talking about. What is he talking about? What? Wait, aren't these Galileans? Aren't they normal, common folk from over there in Galilee? I hear my language. I'm from Ethiopia and I hear my language. I'm from Asia, and I hear my language. They were from all over the region, and the Spirit of God allowed them to speak in other languages the good news. So we not only had people that were complexed, there were some that were confused and some that mocked them. Isn't that amazing? When you're speaking or you're talking, you're oritating a word. There's some in the crowd that's going to be complex. There's going to be some that's confused. And yes, there are going to be some of those that just mock you, make fun of you, talk about you, all of that. But you know, this is what I really like. There were some in the crowd. They weren't complexed. They weren't confused and they weren't mocking. Why do I say that? Because some of them wanted to be converted. Some of them wanted The same thing that the Apostle Peter was exclaiming, was talking about, was excited about. They wanted that same thing. And he told them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive this same good news in your heart. The expressions, bind and loose, were common to Jewish legal phraseology, meaning to give authority to someone to determine whether something is allowed or forbidden. That's what bind and loose basically means. To give someone authority during this time to determine whether something is allowed or forbidden. The exegetical dictionary of the New Testament adds this, bind and loose are technical terms in Judaism. Now, with respect to teaching, 
the phrase is used for authoritative exposition of the law by an authorized, ordained rabbi who has authority to forbid and to permit, to bind and to loose. I hope you're paying attention. This is this is some good stuff. Peter and the other disciples were to continue Christ's work on earth in preaching the gospel and declaring God's will to men. And they were armed with the same authority as he possessed. Watch this. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he told them, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He had the authority. So he had permission from God to give the disciples the same authority. But there was a process here. This is how we got to Acts in the first place, in the upper room and during the Pentecost at Luke. 24, 49 says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This is what he told them to do, to go and tarry. A lot of people, they don't want to wait. Tarry just means wait, wait for it. But while you're waiting, just don't be idle. They were up in the upper room praying, seeking God. They were tarrying for whatever promise that he had said that he was going to send. They were tarrying for it because they believed his word. We don't want to wait. We want it right now. That's that's the human side of us. We're very impatient. If God said he was going to give us something, we want it right now. It's not his timing. It's my timing. No, it's God's timing. Our time is not his time. His time is not our time. But know what? His time is always on time. When it comes to binding and loosing, in Matthew 18, 18, there is also a reference to the binding and loosing in the context of church discipline. Hear me on this. The apostles do not usurp. Christ's lordship and authority over individual believers and their eternal destiny. But they do exercise the authority to discipline and, if necessary, to excommunicate disobedient church members. This was the authority behind binding and loosing. Discipline in the church. That's the reference here. They had the authority over individual believers and how they disciplined them when it was necessary, especially if they were disobedient church members. They had a right, they had the authority to excommunicate them. Now, from the many examples of bind and loose in the Jewish writings, we can see that they refer to forbidding or permitting something. And they were used of things such as rules and regulations, not of people. The rabbis didn't bind or loose people. 
They didn't have that kind of authority. We don't have that kind of authority. We can't bind people and loose people. So in reference to bind and loose, according to the Jewish writings, it referred to forbidding or permitting something. And it was used of things such as rules and regulations within an organization. I hope you're sticking with me and understanding here. Binding or forbidding, loosing or permitting were necessary because the law of Moses could not contain all the regulations necessary to govern a congregation and society. Therefore, the religious leaders were required to bind and loose activities in the congregations that were not specifically included in the laws of Moses. This was true in Jesus' day, and guess what? It's still true today. talking about binding and loosing in Jesus's name. Every church today has rules and regulations, things forbidden and things allowed that are not specifically written in the Bible, but extrapolated from it. Oh my goodness. So leaders in a church today might bind which is forbid specific immodest clothing in worship service based on the general tenet of scripture that people dress modestly. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They want them to dress modestly. So what do they do? They throw some scriptures out there <laughs> to make it fit what they want to rule, what they want to forbid. Or there's a case in point of having a specific foul language be bound or forbidden on church grounds based on the general biblical rule about not using obscenities. But Think about it. Why would you use obscenities on the church ground anyway? Why would you go over on the church ground and start cussing? That was forbidden as a norm. It should be. The Jewish faith in Jesus's time was no different than our modern churches. 
and leaders imposed many rules and regulations that were not specifically written in the law. The Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's called the law, the Torah, first five books. Many things that they tried to rule and govern was not even written in the law, was not written in the Torah. And the same for us today. There's many rules and regulations that the church leaders set up in order to rule their congregation the way they want to be ruled. It's not that the disciples were given the privilege of changing God's mind as if whatever they decided on earth would be duplicated in heaven. Rather, they were encouraged that as they move forward in their apostolic duties, they would be fulfilling God's plan in heaven. Peter was not given authority to admit people into God's kingdom or to choose what he wanted to allow or disallow. He didn't, Jesus didn't give him that kind of authority. Rather, Jesus gave authority to Peter and the other apostles to correctly interpret God's message and to share it with others. That was the important part of giving Peter and the apostles that type of authority. We need to correctly interpret God's message. Stop saying what's not there in God's message to rule and to dictate how other people ought to behave. That's the wrong way of interpreting God's message. To bind means to tie or fasten something tightly. That's what bind means. To loose means to set free, to let it go. When the apostles bound something or forbade it on earth, they were carrying out the will of God in that matter. When they lose something, they allowed it on earth. They were likewise fulfilling God's eternal plan. In both Matthew 16, 19 and Matthew 18, 18, the syntax of the Greek text makes the meaning clear. Whatever you mayest Bind on earth shall be having been bound in heaven. I had to read that a couple of times. I was like, what? What did he just say? How did I don't make, make any sense? Think about it. Listen to what it's saying. Whatever thou mayest bind upon the earth shall be having. That's the key point right there. Having been bound in the heavens and whatever thou mayest loose upon the earth shall be having been loosed in the heavens. Or as the Amplified Bible puts it, this is how we talk. Whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper or unlawful on the earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare unlawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. It's already been done. Jesus taught that the apostles had a special task on earth. We all have a special task on earth. They're words of authority as recorded in the New Testament epistles. They reflect God's will for the church. Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. So whenever evangelists affirm that all those who repent and believe in Jesus Christ 
have their sins forgiven, they are declaring that such people are loosed and have entered the kingdom. In this same declaration, they are dramatizing on earth the standing verdict that heaven or God has already made. Similarly, these who remain unrepentant unbelievers are bound and the kingdom is shut against them. Heaven has already affirmed this truth because salvation is found in no one else than Jesus, the cornerstone. Look at Acts 4, 11 through 12. You'll read it there. The apostles' ministry was foundational. They constituted the authority and formation of ministry within the early church as directed by the Holy Spirit. What are we being directed by? Some of us say we're being directed by the Holy Spirit, but our actions prove otherwise. There are leaders that are saying they're being led by the Spirit of God, but their actions is contrary to what the Spirit of God really is about. They're directed by another spirit. There's an example of that in Acts 15, where the apostles and elders of the church working through perhaps the most significant issue they had dealt with thus far. Some people associated with the church during this particular time claimed circumcision was required. It was a requirement for salvation. And the apostles' decision against that position became binding on all churches. In other words, it was forbidden to teach that type of doctrine. The Holy Spirit orchestrated their decision according to God's will. You read over there in Acts 15, somewhere around the 22nd through the 31st verse. They forbid that type of teaching. This is how we can forbid things to be taught that's not in the word of God. We come against it. After Jesus commanded his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit in John 20, 22, he told them, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. He was not giving them the power to forgive sins. Only Jesus, our Lord and Savior, can do that. Read Mark 2, 7 through 10 and Acts 4, 12. But this is what he was doing. He was giving them the authority to declare what God has already done in heaven. Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let it be as it is in heaven, not as it is on earth. Then it's going to be in heaven. No, we have it backwards. It's already done in heaven. So we speak those things as though they were things that are not as though they were. Jesus gave the apostles the authority to bind and loose, speak and act under God's authority. God has given us the authority to bind and loose and speak and act under his authority as the foundational representatives of the church. 
many of us have misused that authority. We take the word out of context. We don't speak what the Bible speaks. And then when we do, we twist those words. The apostles, even though they had the authority, they had the power, they did not act arbitrarily, nor did they operate apart from the Holy Spirit. Many people are acting apart and they're operating apart from the Holy Spirit. They're acting in self. They're in self. They're in flesh. Look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. Read that. And Acts 4, 28 through 33. You might have to come back and listen to this again if you're not writing it down. I hope you're taking copious notes. There are people that misapply that teaching to include binding Satan. Oh, here it is. Many people think they can bind Satan. That's not true. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. It sounds good, but it's not biblical. There is no scriptural command to bind Satan. Let me say that again for those that have been taught otherwise. There is no scriptural command to bind Satan. You cannot bind Satan. I'm sorry to say. No, I'm not. That's real talk right there. You cannot bind Satan. There is no biblical examples of that practice. You don't find anywhere in the Bible that someone was binding Satan, the devil, because they can't, they don't have that authority. Satan remains at large today as, quote, prince of the power of the air, unquote, Ephesians 2, 2. And he's going to be at large until he is chained or bound by an angel, not a human being. This is why I say we cannot, we don't have the power, we don't have the authority to bind Satan. And he's going to be bound by an angel during the millennial reign of Christ. Now, if you look at Revelation 20, 1 through 3, you'll see that it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. But it didn't stop right there because he says, but after these things, he must be released for a little. I don't want to be around for the millennial reign. I don't know about you. But I want to be in the presence of Christ. I want to be wherever Jesus is. I want to be in heaven. I want to be able to see his face in peace. I don't want to be left here in that millennial reign and all the turmoil is going on, all the chaos is going on. I don't really know what's going to happen. It says the millennial reign of Christ. So I really don't know what's going to happen. We have ideas. We can guesstimate. But we really don't know and understand because there's so much revelation in his teachings in Revelation. But you know what? We stand on God's word and we declare God's word. You know, we think we can bind Satan. We believe we can bind Satan. No, there's nothing about Bible that says you can do that. However, 
However, now this is where you can work. This is what authority you have. The disciples did cast out devils. Did you hear me? The disciples did cast out devils, but they never bound them or Satan. We are told in James 4, 7 to one to submit ourselves to God. You want authority? Submit yourself to God. You want peace? Submit yourself to God. You want healing? Submit yourself to God. You want direction? Submit yourself to God. You want blessings? Submit yourself to God. You want to be able to work in the authority and the power and the anointing of God? Submit yourselves to God. And secondly, he says, to resist the devil and he will be the one fleeing. Not us. We shouldn't be running from the devil. We shouldn't be running from Satan. We should not be running from him. We have the power and the authority. If you resist the devil, the Bible says he will flee. He will be the one to run. Binding and loosing in Jesus' name. We have the power and the authority to cast out, to rebuke any evil spirit that we come against. And when you stand on the word of God and you believe in his word, just by believing in his word, he's given you authority. He's given you power to work in his name, to act in his name, to cast out in his name. That's the kind of power that you have. That's the kind of anointing that you have on your life. You can work. You can walk. You can have whatever it is that you desire in God just by trusting and believing in his name. Do you believe? I hope you believe. If you don't, I believe for you. I know that you're going to do great things in God. I know that he's going to continue to open the door for you. I know that he's going to continue to work in your life. He's going to save your unsaved loved ones. He's going to do things in your life that you're just going to stand there and be in awe. He's going to work great things in and around your life. You just have to trust him. I'd like to take this time to thank those of you that partner with us by sowing a financial seed into this ministry regularly. We are a listener-supported podcast, and your generous giving allows us to share the gospel throughout the world. If you're not a partner and you would like to sow into this ministry, you can do so by going to paypal.me forward slash life's word ministry, or you can go to our website at www.lifeswordministry.com. And please be sure to order a copy of my brand new book called Pathway to Christ. You can go to Amazon.com and purchase it there. And be sure to subscribe and follow us right here on Life's Word Podcast. Well, that concludes our podcast for today. I trust you were blessed and enjoyed what you heard. Be sure to tune in again right here on Life's Word Podcast.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.